The following podcast is a Rotten Corpse Radio production. Welcome all once again to another episode of the Rotten Corpse Radio Podcast. I am Ryan, joined with me as always, Stavropocracy. Woo, woo, woo. And we have a special guest this week. Returning after a couple of year hiatus. Uh, welcome back to the Rotten Corpse Radio Podcast, Nightwatch Radio Zone, Todd Sheets. Hey, thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. I'm going to insert a bigger clap, maybe, uh, <laughs> just to make it seem like clapping. we got a big, huge studio audience. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you doing, Todd? It's been a while. I, it has been a while. I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm, I've been uh, going nonstop here, working on uh, the new film, you know, getting uh, everything together for Bone Hill Road. Oh, wow. Sounds good. That is going to be pretty cool. Now, tell us a little bit about Bone Hill Road for those who haven't been following your project. Well, it's a uh, it's a werewolf movie. It's a throwback werewolf movie from uh, days of old, so to speak. It's a, it's it's not a modern movie at all. It's kind of more of a uh, I, I guess I would say that it's more of a you know it's it's an old school werewolf movie because we're using only practical effects, no CGI. But let's be honest, how many times do we see CGI movies and to me, it just takes you completely out of the film because none of the monsters are real anymore, and it just feels like I'm watching like a half live action and half animated. It's like it's like every movie's like Roger Rabbit now. Oh yeah, that is very true. Yeah, it's kind of like I mean, CG does have its place in certain environment. You know, you take like a movie like Avatar, even though it's not everybody's favorite film, its environment and everything matches. You know. I hated that movie. <laughs> saw colors i never saw before it's fucking purple <laughs> let's face it that's what we're gonna look like in, a, in another hundred thousand years probably oh, yeah you please <laughs> god we're gonna no. be emaciated have small heads really weird looking <laughs> uh so is there a, anything you can tell us about uh bone hill that uh yeah, you know, it's a different kind of werewolf movie, really. And, and I know you've heard that before, but it really is. I, um, the thing is, it's kind of like when I do anything, like Dreaming Purple Neon. You know, it's it's an adventure because one of the things that a lot of the people who've reviewed the films realize about my stuff, even the early stuff, when I, like, had no money at all and it was, like, really crude, the one thing was I always wanted to take it to that next level. I always wanted to try to do something epic on no money, something 
way out there, you know, uh, something that's kind of all over the map. And uh, here lately, you know, House of Forbidden Secrets was a haunted house movie, but it was a lot more than that. And then Dreaming oh, yeah. Purple Dawn was kind of like a, you know, satanic cult slash, you know, like the Devil's Reign kind of thing mixed with like some kind of weird psychedelic drug thing mixed with like demons, you know, the, the, the Liberto Bava Argento combo. There's like so many influences in there that, uh, and there's a little Evil Dead, a little everything, because it's kind of like, you know, we are what we kind of love. And I grew up in a drive-in, and I grew up at these grindhouses loving this stuff, and that's kind of my where my heart is. So when it came time to do a werewolf movie, which has been a dream of mine the whole time, I've, I've been making films, but I didn't dare try it because I just didn't think I was ever ready. And uh, even though Moonchild technically has a werewolf in it, it's more of a science fiction fantasy. And it's, you know, that was in yeah. 90s or 95. So, I mean, that was so long ago. We had 35 cents, you know, to make a movie, and it was insane. So I, I was really excited because I was like, it's, I feel like it's time to try it. And uh, we did an Indiegogo for the first time. Never done Indiegogo. I never really even thought about it. And we did it, and it was a huge success. And we were able to do something really cool. So we jumped into the werewolf wagon, and... All I can say is it's the weirdest werewolf movie ever because even though it's a werewolf movie and there's plenty of werewolf action, it's really not all about the werewolves. I mean, the werewolves aren't even the, really the villain in the movie. Huh. Is, that, is it more like the the werewolf is more the hero in the film? or I wouldn't even say hero. I mean, I mean the thing is, for me, I wanted the werewolves to be like, you know, someone stumbled on their property, their land, and this is kind of like where they live, where they hunt. This is their thing, so huh. it's uh, you know it's it's the thing that you know they're it, they're animals and they're creatures and they're just trying to survive. This is what they do. They eat people. If you happen to stumble in, well, <laughs> come to the barbecue because that's what's coming up. <laughs> nice. Oh man. So um, now speaking of now, you mentioned uh, Dreaming Purple Neon. Now you've been touring this film this year, uh, correct? Yeah, it's been touring for almost a full year. It came out on Halloween last year, and it's been going nonstop. And, uh, wow, I just don't even know what to say. The reviews have been uh, just blowing me away. I, it's such an honor. People really get the film. They understand it. And uh, we've been showing this thing everywhere. I mean, it's played all over the world, and it's played about, uh, last I checked, like 56 different festivals or conventions, and it's... Uh, it's really rolling pretty good. Uh, House Forbidden Secrets is still even playing. It, it played its 77th film festival, and I'm like, this is just amazing that these films have this life and that there's people out there that understand what we're trying to do. And that, that yeah. really helped me. You know, it helps me to continue because it, it shows that there's a reason to do it. And, and, you know, that's the whole goal is when you make a movie is for people to watch it and enjoy it. Uh, as far as, like, the, you know, like the convention uh, circuit is been concerned i mean how's that been kind of uh eating away at your time with the uh, night watch radio this year oh my god it tears me up because there's not enough time to do everything but you know you have to pick and choose and even though i love night watch and i love everything about night watch my first love has always been filmmaking and it has to come first because we are finally kind of hitting that stride where you know i've been trying to hit this stride for years uh you know i, I kind of took a hiatus for a while and it was the worst time to do so because things were rolling pretty good back then. Yeah. But I took hiatus because I had two kids to raise. I had a lot going on. I'd lost a dear friend was killed. And, you know, a lot of things happened. So I was like, well, I'm going to go ahead and take this hiatus. But 
we're back on the, on the game and we're rolling and things are really moving in a, in a positive direction. And when the ball's rolling, you can't just stop. You have to ride that ride as far as you can, you know. Oh, most definitely. And it's like, I think, um, I mean, there's been so many different movies kind of hitting uh, different film conventions. Um, I was actually at the Frightmare, uh, uh, the Frightmare convention in Texas this year. Um, and I got to see a movie called uh, Karate Kill. And, like, there were a lot of different movies I really uh, wanted to see. And, of course, I actually saw that you had posted. Yeah, we played at Texas Frightmare as well. Uh, oh, we that's were down... right. Yeah, cause I was kicking yeah. myself about missing that because it was a Sunday, right, or a Friday. Yeah, yeah, they showed it, like, uh, I believe it was on Sunday uh, yeah. midday. Like, it was around 6 o'clock or something. So. Yeah, and by that time, we were actually getting ready to leave Texas. <laughs> yeah, I can I, understand I was so I was so bummed out. I just what was the reaction there like? It was good. It was a good reaction. Uh, people people again seem to really get the film. They seem to understand what we're trying to do, which is the biggest thing. You know, I mean, you you really need that. You need people to get what you're doing, or else you know what's the point of it. You know, so that really makes me really happy that people are understanding what the film is about. And uh, and you know, it, it's it's a ride. The thing about Green Purple Neon is the bloodiest movie I ever made. Blood, breasts, and beasts from beginning to end. I mean, it's just, we've got some characters in there too, which is weird. Because I was actually trying to tell a story, but not only were we telling the story, we had to, you know, get all the good stuff in there. So we made sure that, you know, we set up the story for the first, you know, 10 or so minutes, and then you start kicking it. And then about 15 minutes in, bam, it doesn't stop till the end because it's like something horrifying happening every few seconds. It was kind of my, uh, my answer to, no, let's go all out here. You know, it's kind of my nod to my past where I was all about the gore and everything. And then House of the Secrets had gore, but it was also more story, character driven. It was an homage to, you know, the Italian movies that I loved by Fulci, kind of a beyond homage and things like that. So then when we did Green Purple Neon, we just went crazy. And, and when we were on the set, even, we were like, okay, so we've got this in the script, but we could do it even further. We could do this, Todd. And I'm like, oh, really? We have to, oh, yeah, okay, let's do it. Any idea? I was not. You know, I, I never closed myself to ideas. I was like, let's push it further. <laughs> Sometimes we'd get done, and I'd look at what we'd done, and I was like, wow, we, I don't know, guys. <laughs> I think we've been too far at this point. But then I said, you know what? There's no such thing as too far. And uh, we just kept doing it, you know, we kept pushing it out. You know, and that's what horror fans really like to hear, because they, they want the envelope pushed. Oh, yeah. It's like, because who's going to reset the bar? You know, like, so far... You know, as certain decades pass, sometimes the bar goes up, sometimes the bar goes down, especially in the 90s. The 90s went way down for some reason oh, and then started yes. to slowly climb back up with, uh, I kind of feel like uh, the torture porn uh, film craze kind of helped elevate that a little bit. And, and of course, uh, other types of films that kind of help push that same envelope. And I kind of wonder if we'll ever get to a point where it will be too much, but for now it's really cool to see that, you know, we can continue to kind of challenge that bar. I agree. I agree. And I think that's what horror is about. That's why it's called horror. I mean, we're supposed to take it to the next level, see how far we can push the boundaries. That's what it's about to me personally. You know, I want to know, you know, how far can I go with this? I, I mean, and that's not always the case. Like on Bone Hill Road, it's a very story driven a monster movie i didn't want to like just be like wall-to-wall -wall blood because i wanted to be more about the monsters but every movie i want to make i want it to be different i don't want to do the same movie over and over again and that's you know one of the, the keys to i think any kind of success is 
to reinvent yourself on every project and to try to do something different, something interesting, something that'll capture the uh, the imagination of an audience, you know? So the fan doesn't see the same thing over and over again. <laughs> right, right. And that's, you know, uh, unfortunately, I, I do see a lot of that in today's market. I see a lot of the same thing over and over and over. And I'm like, look, I get it. You know, we all, and, and look, I started at the lowest of the low. I hated that stuff I did back then. I hated it. I, I would never, you know, I disowned a lot of that early stuff before 1993. Anything before that, I disowned it. But it's like, you know, those movies have their fans too, which surprises the hell out of me. And I'm like, why? But they, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, but you, as I got older and I guess I started trying to learn more about the filmmaking process, I wanted to do something different. I wanted to do something better. And that's where I think, um, you know, this is where I, I am pushing that envelope because I want, you know, all my films to get better each time. I want to entertain the audience more each time. And I want to tell different stories. I mean, as I get older, I want to tell real stories. I want to, I want to have good scripts and good acting so that, you know, it's not just about the blood. It's also about the production design and it's about the lighting and it's about the camera work and it's about the, the characters it's about the great actors that are involved it's about the story that we're telling you know is is has been seen 500 times or it's something new and fresh that's kind of what i'm trying to do i'm trying to do this on like a dollar 98 <laughs> <laughs> yeah we definitely appreciate it it's like i mean i know in the past like you know rotten corpse entertainment have tried you know we kind of put our little mark on film just a little bit that's what you call it. Yeah, it's more like a curb, like a, like a shit stain almost. Like a <laughs> it, was, it was like, dude, let's go kill our friends on the weekend. It'll be fun. But that's yeah. how you, that's how everybody starts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. You know, I mean, that's honestly, that's really what it is. That's what, that's what we do. You know, you, you, you have to, uh, you know, you, you have to start somewhere. And, you know, I caught a lot of hell for my early movies, those early things that, it was, it was exactly what you just said. My friends and I went out with a Super 8 camera or whatever we could get our hands on, and we tried to make movies because we loved them so much that we really mm -hmm. wanted to make movies. And so, you know, catching all that hell for something, I was like, wow, man, that just sucked. Being told that if I ever pick up a camera again, they'll kill my mother. I mean, that's wow. really... Well, oh, that's uh, the Internet. Yeah. <laughs> and this was even before the Internet. This was a magazine. Oh, God. Like, like, <laughs> Jesus, man, it's not that bad. It's just a, it's just a bad movie. I don't need to get crazy, but you know, we didn't know what we were doing. We, and that's the thing, you don't. But then you start learning. Like something happens when you do this over and over. Like when you go out and you make your movies with your friends over and over, something's gonna happen. And what's gonna happen is you start learning how to make a movie, and things start getting better. And these are definitely things that people need to kind of take into consideration when they're jumping feet first into it. Um, I know a lot of people nowadays will be, you know, they're online, they're trying to seek, like, internet fame, you know, like, oh, let's be the next greatest YouTube act or whatever. And, um, and you know, that's fine because, I mean, you get stuff like, uh, you know, what created Slender Man in the beginning, um, which I think that was that, uh, or was something Hornets? I can't, I can't even think of it right they off the top of my head. They a supernatural episode about that shit. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, see, it bled into the mainstream. Yeah, I know. It bled into the mainstream, and it just started as a YouTube thing. Don't worry, Dean killed him. Oh, <laughs> oh so man. Funny. 
So, I gotta, I gotta ask. So, the drug in Dreaming Purple Neon. Yeah. Do you think there's a good market for that? <laughs> Tell you what, I don't think so. There's a that that thing is ruthless, and and it, and it should be because that's kind of what it's all about. It's a, you know that that movie. I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm, I'm not a druggie, never done a drug in my life, never drank, never smoked. I'm just a nerd, okay? So I'm, I'm trying to, like, do studies of, you know, what, you know, people and, and what addiction is like and things like that so I could write the script. And I'm like, my God, man, it, there's drugs out there that are kind of like purple neon. I mean, it's not quite as bad. doesn't like, but, but the whole point of purple neon, the whole point of the story was, you know, this drug was created from the blood of demons, that's what instead yeah. of you know, instead of like household items like a crack, this is like, you know, we're instead of meth, we're you know we're 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 going to uh, we're going to create this blood from demons, and that was the catalyst for the drug. So the reason for that was because there's a property in the blood that when the people took it, not only did they get this crazy high and they kind of went out of their minds, but they also became basically slaves for this queen, this demon queen that was coming from hell, right? And yeah. uh, no one knew that, of course, not even the people dealing it or whatever, until the guy finally reveals, all right, we've brought the queen from hell back, and now anyone that has taken this drug is now part of her network, basically, because it's kind of like a, a giant radio tower or cell tower where she, she was you know, giving them direction like a frequency, and they were picking up on it because they took this drug. It's pretty strange stuff. Huh. Almost kind of like a weird mix of the movie Ozone meets like Demons. Yeah, a little bit like that, exactly. Yeah. Of course, I always think about ozone every time I think of like old school movies where you have like body, chemical, molecular altering drugs. And who else better than trauma to put something like that out? <laughs> you know, Robocop, dude, did a pretty good job with um, Nuke. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I always thought Nuke. Too. I always wanted to do that drug. <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> put it in my coffee. I like that. Hmm. Purple neon scary. coffee thing. There you go. <laughs> it's a hit. It's you got to market it. You got to market it. You got to pack it right now. It'll, that thing. You know, if, you know, if Dave Mustang can have his own coffee, why can't Todd Cheats have his own coffee creamer, right? Yeah, but Dave That's Mustang. Right. You know, my favorite band like has their own times. <laughs> Good stuff, yeah. I mean, that, uh, Iron Maiden has Trooper beer, so that's like, hey. You know what? It's awesome. Oh, yeah, I forgot it. about Trooper Beer. Uh, I'm going to have to go get some. <laughs> I've never drank it, but I I was actually given a bunch of it because I actually got to go and watch them play soccer on oh, their wow. last one. Sweet. Because uh, I'm like the ultimate Maiden fan. And so I was like, yes! And so yes. I got to do that. And then I'm like, holy hell, man. They gave me all this Trooper Beer. Not only like big cans, but bottles and everything. I'm like, hell yeah, I'll keep it because it's like a, it's for me. I'll just set it around. It's cool. I'll never drink it, but... <laughs> oh, it's an awesome collector's item, really. It's, it's fantastic. I love it. It's like, what do you have in your Iron Maiden vault? Well, you know, i got some shirts. i got a flag. i got a few other things. Yeah, do you have any Tripper beer? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> no. Well, you... What are you then? Come on. So, uh, another thing that's also passed us by, and I kind of wanted to get your take on this, and, you know, like I said... Um, many things have actually happened since last time we chatted, and one of those being a couple Star Wars movies. Oh yeah. Now what? Now what did you think about these? 
Now let's start with uh, episode seven because everybody likes to talk about that one. All right. You know what? I think people need to chill out and go to the movie and enjoy themselves. That's what I honestly think because today's audiences are nuts. Okay. First of all, they're complaining. Hey, we're never going to get seven, eight, and nine. Okay. So finally, someone's going to give them seven, eight, and nine. And the whole time they're there, they're complaining. Now, look, there, there are problems with the prequels. Let's be honest. Oh, the yeah, prequels. Yes. They're, 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 but there's great things about the prequels, too. But there are problems. There are things that I would have never done. You know, things that I felt like, yeah, maybe you guys shouldn't have gone down that road. But that's me as a fan, you know. Yeah. Uh, they're telling a story. I thought the first one was way too political, and the pod race went on way too long, and Jar Jar should have been exercised in the first three seconds. <laughs> oh, God. Demon, yeah. you know. Um, but other than that, you know, I, I, there's things about them I like. Now, having said that, I really enjoyed myself with episode seven. I really had a good time. I was like a kid again. I was in there. I was seeing some of my favorite characters. I was enjoying myself. Was it flawed? Absolutely. Um, because we, it may not have been flawed to the people who made it though, because that might be what they wanted. But we as fans get in there and we say, man, that's not what I felt like it should have been. Well, that's because that's your thing. But it is what it is. When the first three Star Wars came out, we didn't go and, watch that and go oh man it wasn't what i wanted because we didn't know what we wanted we'd never seen anything like it in our lives we have been jaded we've we've become sarcastic and as audiences i think we're a bunch of whiners man really i do because it's like look man people don't look at film the same way as they used to and it's sad because it used to be an event a movie like star wars being released was an event okay it was something that was special just like the midnight movie thing I loved going to midnight screenings like the day before a movie opened. Like you go in there at midnight, you're the first guy to see it with everybody. You're having a great time. It became an event. Well, nowadays it's no event because the movies, they might as well just say movies start on Thursday instead of they start on Friday because it's starting at Friday or Thursday at four o'clock in the afternoon. They're showing the movie all day. So what's the point? It's the same thing. We as a yeah. society have taken away what's special about film. We and critique everything to death. That too, yeah. The internet leaks. Like, yeah, exactly. And the, and the problem is here is that we've, you know, we we know everything. The trailers are way too damn long because they did test audiences, and they're like, well, if we don't know everything about it, we're not going to go see it. But then other people are complaining because they know everything about it, and there's nothing, no surprises. So they're damned if they do. And plus, let's get down to the nitty gritty. Hollywood is being ran by people who are marketing geniuses for cheeseburgers. Okay, it's not ran by filmmakers anymore. The people in charge at the studios have never touched a camera. These guys came from marketing at Staples. There was a marketing manager at Applebee's that was the you know, vice president oh, yeah. at Paramount. What the hell is going on? These guys. So the fact that someone took enough time and care to make this Star Wars movie the best they could, and then we're in there tearing it apart. I'm like, look, man, why? Why, why not just go and enjoy it? If you, if you like it, fine. If you don't, fine. But don't expect the second coming of Christ because it's just a movie. You know? Well, except for, I will say that Luke did look quite like Space Jesus. Mm-hmm. I, I will I will give him that. For the 14 um, seconds he was in the movie. Yeah, and I am going to say this. Adam Driver is a way better Anakin Skywalker than Caden Christensen was. I, I'll just say that. I actually love Darth Tantrum. Yeah, Darth Tantrum's about right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Was. That was a little much, but you know what? Again, you know, there's a reason for it. I'm sure there's something going on. Maybe oh, yeah. we don't. You know, I'm I'm not gonna damn it yet. I'm 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 gonna 
I'm going to save my damnation until I until it's all done. Until all three are done, and, and how did it make me feel as a fan? How did it make me feel as an audience member? Was I entertained? And the truth of the matter was, I was totally entertained by it. So it was yeah. okay. Oh, yeah. And I think the other thing that it's setting up for, too, and I, I mean, I just, hope, I just hope for this anyway, is that Luke goes Sith, because I want to see that. I don't know why I want to see that, but I do. Only because I partially think that if he does, maybe he'll kind of bring out some of his inner joker you know <laughs> yeah yeah that's i could just see that so oh, much man. He's still, so you've got the force ray you know just kind of <laughs> gets that real evil face and just laugh the laugh the laugh would be the best i actually liked because they actually you have questions when the movie was over oh i know it makes you want to see the other ones mm-hmm. That's what I loved. I love the fact that, you know, the, the move it's, it's just, there's so much, you know, there are things going on and you're like, okay, we got a few answers, but now I got even more questions. What the hell? You know, it's like mm-hmm. freaking me out. So I I'm going to go see the other ones too when they come around. It does. Yeah. It does. It does. And I'm absolutely going to go see them. You know, I'll be the first in line because I feel like, you know, in Rogue One, look, man, there's things that I personally think about Rogue One, but when Darth Vader came out and started whooping everyone's butt oh, in the. Oh, dude. That's the greatest experience, man. It was. I. I I freaked out. I was like, this like a kid that? again. Exactly. And that's, I think, ultimately what we want from Star Wars is to feel mm-hmm. like that again because, let's face it, nothing else in the world makes us feel that way again. So we may as well, you know, hope that Star Wars can do it, and I think it did. And that's the weirdest part for me is because I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, you know, what are we going to – is this? Is it going to live up to what I want? And I'm, But then I realized, well, it's not about what I want. It's about, their, you know, what they're trying to do with the story. And then I kind of went into the whole – you know, like personally, I think Rogue One lacked the emotional connection that some of the other films had, like especially Empire Strikes Back. I mean, there was an emotional connection in the first half of, of Jedi. Yeah. The, the second half with all the teddy bears was a little much, but the first half had a real <laughs> emotional connection. And I felt like that's something that was missing from Rogue One was I personally didn't feel the emotional connection I wanted as a fan. But that doesn't mean the movie was bad. It just means I was like, well, these characters didn't draw me in like the characters when I grew up. And again, that could just be because they're not the characters that we knew when we were growing up. Oh, no. Yeah, it's like a completely different group of people. No, I just liked it because everybody died. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) You already knew what the ending was because they talked about it in episode four. (laughs) Because those are my favorite movies. Like, when everybody dies, I'm like, that's a good ending. Well, you're going to love certain movies I've been making lately, then. Oh, Jeez. Well, then good. <laughs> Jeez, yeah, I st- man. Yeah, I, I still fact, got- I, uh, I st- I've been getting a little hell for that. Oh, yeah? <laughs> oh, dude, Don't there's survive. such a fan base out there that loves that. I, I remember the first movie I saw that did that. It was just, like, blown away. I was like, yes, finally! <laughs> some finally, someone has the guts to just do it, right? Oh, Jeez. yeah. I mean... It needs to happen. I think the other, I think the thing that um, that we uh, get away from, you know, as fans, you know, is like we want the hero to win all the time. We always want him to win. Why not the villain? You know, screw it. I agree with you. Let I do. Hero, just let the hero. I die. love seeing a villain win. <laughs> well, I think that's yeah. why Empire Strikes Back is probably my favorite Star Wars movie. Well, I think it is too because we, Darth Vader was the best villain in the cinematic universe ever. You know what I mean? Next to, like, Christopher Lee's Dracula. I think that was my favorite villain of all time was Darth Vader. 
and then like later years I, I we finally had the Joker and I felt like Nicholson and Ledger both did amazing jobs at the Joker oh, much God, better yes. Suicide Squad which should have been thrown in the toilet oh That's I hated a, that Joker oh what a joke ah get it <laughs> that was a terrible Joker guys there was, oh. no, there was no joking about Margot Robbie in that movie though. no joking at all <laughs> I remember watching that with this guy over here. Every time she got on the screen, he was grunting like, "You know what?" I, I, and and I, and I think she did a great. Like half of me loved her as Harley Quinn, and the other half of me wanted to slap the screenwriters because the voice was perfect, the mannerisms were perfect. Harley Quinn was never a stripper. She was never a pole dancer. Nope. I don't understand no. what the hell is going on? Why has Joker got a grill? Why am I suddenly hanging out in the middle of nowhere with this people? Yeah, I was going to say, why does he look like Macaulay Macaulay Culkin with a really serious drug problem? He does. He really (laughs) does. And I'm so, I don't know, man, I'm disgusted by it because here's the thing. The Joker to me was all, and this is in the comics too, he didn't follow trends. He wasn't influenced by pop culture. He was his own pop culture. He was chaos incorporated. He was like this this being of total insanity that actually didn't take anything into the world into account for who he was. He, he was his own person. So when I got to this Joker in this movie, I'm like, okay, why is he like a hip hop guy, that drug dealer? What, why is he patterned after like Scarface? What is going on? I didn't understand any of it because no, I was like, going on Scarface, the whole, the Joker, you know, the Joker mm-hmm. is, he is his own entity, and he does not at all follow trends. So that right there just tore me the hell up. I well, couldn't the thing is, though, anybody who came on after Heath had some serious shoes to fill. Oh, yeah. 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 Now, and now they're talking about making some, like, origin story, oh, I guess, God, for geez, the Joker, no. which I don't know if that needs to happen, you know? <laughs> uh, it doesn't need to happen, I don't think. I think, uh, you know... Absolutely not. It doesn't. We don't need it. It's, it's like, come on, guys, no more. No more of that. We're done with it. So, who knows? Who knows? I, I'm looking forward to the new Batman stuff that they're talking about that might be fun, but I'm, I just want to get... I, Batman versus Superman, everyone's like, Todd, you're, it's your favorite hero of all time, Batman. What'd you think? And I was like, I thought Ben Affleck was fantastic. I really did. However, I thought... worst Batman. I mean, he was really... I liked his voice. The action scenes actually felt like the comic book for a change. But what the hell was, what is wrong with Zack Snyder that he, his ego is it's like, I love these characters so much, but let me ruin every one of them. But, I mean, come on. Did you read these comics as a kid, dude? Batman didn't go around shooting people with machine guns. Just no. didn't happen. Now, in those early issues, he had a gun for like three issues or whatever. But then they were like, hey, look, man, his, his parents were killed with a gun. He's not going to carry one around. Just, you know, it's a, it's, so I, I was like, ah, what is going on here? Superman was like a jerk. <laughs> I was like, what is wrong? He's like, Apparently, like, Josh Whedon is re-editing I mean, uh, the new DC movie coming out in November, the Justice League, because what uh, Snyder did, uh, the studio said that that movie was unwatchable. Wow. Well, I guess now they're bringing in, uh, they've brought in, uh, you know, Josh Whedon to, to save yeah. the day. He's yeah. reshot like 50% of the movie. It's like, what wow. the hell is going on? Actually, mm-hmm. reshot it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's been, it's being, 
like the whole thing's being overhauled, which actually makes me happy. I'm like, you know what? Now we might get a movie that I can dig. Yeah, because I like Joss Whedon. I mean, I oh, like I Snyder, but it's mostly because of Dawn of the Dead. But... I like Snyder, too. Yeah. I think he thought Sucker Punch was cool. Everyone was mean to it. I'm like, look, man, I had a good time. What was wrong with it, you know? Well, his movies but... visually are very beautiful. Oh, they are. Yeah. It's, I, I love the colors he uses, uh, the cinematography, everything, you know. But some of his movies just drag out and, and are just too long or to have too, uh, no meaning. Right. Right. It just seems like sometimes, like, it just goes and goes and goes. But in, in the case of Batman, I just think, man, you know, you you got you to gotta love the character enough to not love your own ego more. That's the bottom line. And that, that's the truth with all comic book movies these days, though. I mean, every one of them is a bastardization. None of them are accurate at all. No. i, I got you know, to be honest. I'm, like, at the point now where Disney movies can, like, bite it. You know, I know I'm in the mic. <laughs> really tired. I keep going to the theater excited to see these heroes I loved on the big screen. And, man, God, they cut Thor's hair, for God's sakes. He looks like a GQ model. <laughs> <laughs> the well, they got to give the women what they want, you know? <laughs> like, they did. They gave well, him Hulk. Well, look, yeah, but look, what woman wouldn't want Thor with long hair? Come on, long hair. That's where it's at. What is going on here? First of all, they wouldn't let him wear his helmet. It was so funny because, like, he—I don't know if anyone caught this, but like in the in the Thor movie, he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna do this big ceremony. I'm gonna have my helmet. I'm gonna wear it for 42 seconds. Then I'm gonna go off and fight frost giants and leave it behind." <laughs> I know. What? What the hell, dude? You're gonna get your skull cracked. Okay, so you are the god of thunder. But of course, nowadays in the comic, he's not because everything has to be ruined in the comics. I mean, now it's a chick. You know? What? <laughs> yeah. Iron Man's a chick. Like, they kill off every character, and they change their gender, their race. It's like, what are you doing? Why can't you create new characters of, of these, these like, if you want a new character that's like a chick that's kind of like Iron Man, then create one. Have her work with Iron Man. But don't kill Tony Stark and have her take over. What I is know. going on? <laughs> well, it's because they don't want to offend anybody. Yeah, it's all about the PC movement, and that's why I make movies like Dream Purple Neon because I want to offend every damn person in America. And that's why we love you. <laughs> <laughs> I am not about, and you know, and then people are like, "Well, what do you do? You mind? well, is it about is it a racial thing? Absolutely not. Are you kidding? I, oh no, yeah. I, it's not about that at all. It's about the fact that you can't be creative enough to come up with a new character instead of killing Peter Parker, so you can have a black Spider-Man. I'm like, okay, well, how about we don't kill Peter Parker, but we create somebody a new character that peter parker hangs out with or works with or something yeah. how about we do that? i mean what's wrong with that have him, have him take over you know like you say yeah have him have him do something you know hey peter you gotta you, you gotta take a break okay i'll take i'll help out that's the that's what they used to do in batman like nightwing would come you know yeah. robin grew nightwing he'd come in and help out once in a while that's you know they didn't like kill batman so he could take over like, they tried that of course later these new the, new, the new creators, but when we were growing up, man, in the 70s and 80s, the comic books had great stories, and, and we, we could really follow them, and we could love them, and we knew that our characters weren't going to die every three seconds, or reboot the franchise. Let's reboot. Let's reboot. Oh, my God, how about now? <laughs> uh, uh, so I kind of wanted to switch gears a little bit, um, and kind of talk about uh, Nightwatch Radio for a bit. Now, I'm not sure uh, how many of our fans are currently listening that have experienced your show yet. I personally love the show. Um, Thank you. I was actually introduced to it, um, I, b 
believe it was like like I got a glimpse of it it was before Amanda actually uh, contacted me originally but I got a glimpse of it because I was just searching for new podcasts and Stitcher always like kind of throws different ones your way you know it's like oh yeah if you like this listen to this and right. <laughs> so I kind of got a glimpse of it but I wasn't really sure if it was like you know if, if I was listening to like rebroadcasts from like a radio show or if I was just listening to a different style of podcast um, and of course M- Amanda got to me and uh, you know later and I started listening to it a little bit more and now first off I, I need to ask who picks the music um, kind of, kind of me, kind of just sometimes it's like, okay, we need a song and it's in the queue. Let's grab it. So it's, but I pick a lot of music because I, the thing is with my, you know, with Night Watch is it started out as a, you know, a show about the paranormal and my mentor, Art Bell, you know, I don't know how many people know Art Bell, but he was on coast to coast and he was my mentor and uh, he kind of pushed me to do it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And so we kind of went down that road. And, I, and that first year I, I was doing the show, um, it was so difficult to get going because at that time no one would come out and talk about paranormal stuff very much. This was like, uh, yeah. you got to realize, this was like in 2004. So a lot of people weren't doing that. And um, and so, and we didn't have what they call podcasts. We had archives. Which, <laughs> yeah. So we would like broadcast on actual radio and then we would have archives afterwards on the internet so people who couldn't listen because we only had like one or two stations then and then we started growing and um it was really cool because we got to the point where we were like you know we were <clears throat> starting to get more and more stations now we've got over 400 stations um actual terrestrial stations and then we can still we still call them archives you know they're now called podcasts and yeah. uh and i think through that through the the course of the show it's gotten more and more kind of whatever we want it to be like it's things that go bump in the night that could be anything really and i so i get these paranormal people who are yelling at me hey man that isn't paranormal that was an actor yeah and they're and i love horror movies and i'm gonna bring them on i was one of the first shows to ever do that we used to have full horror shows and i herschel gordon lewis was a friend of mine and sage stallone and all these guys and i'd bring them on and we'd chat you know it was all about you know trying to further that the, the whole horror market and try to promote stuff that I love there. And then also we still had paranormal stuff. And we also had other things like Mike Kim. We, a lot of our guests were the same guests they would have on the daily show because we would share the guests. It was weird. And like Mike <laughs> Kim smuggling people out of North Korea through China, <laughs> they, these stories that were like really, really important stories that I thought people needed to know about. That's what I'd put on. So when it comes to the music, I'm the same way. I, 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 I'm not stuck in any genre. You don't know what the hell you're going to hear on there. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Actually, the one thing I was really like hearing on um, on the shows, other than the show's intro, which is, uh, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, you know, it's a song from Sucker Punch. Uh, the Sweet Emily Dreams. Browning? Yeah, Emily Browning's version of uh, Sweet Dreams. And another one I really like hearing on there is Mortal Love. At least I think that's Mortal Love. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, 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 yeah. As a rotation for like the middle, um, but I was kind of listening to uh, some of the back episodes uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, one that really caught me was the the second half of um, an episode where Reverend Bill McIntyre was on there, and where he was talking like it was like half about like um, 
what you know what he believes aliens are in conjunction with religion and everything else and it was a fascinating uh, listen because like everything he was talking about almost kind of goes with each other in accordance to religion but at the same time you kind of you got to wonder you know like how much religion may have been influenced by you know extraterrestrial life um you know and it was just kind of a neat episode all around yeah yeah you know the the thing i love about the show is things like that it's the things that you have so many people from so many walks of life that you talk to and you learn so much about each one of them and that's one of the things i feel like is important and you guys do the same thing you know what i'm talking about you you get to people and you get to learn something about people and not only that but like a lot of people i idolize or people whose books i've read or people who i've always you know wanted to talk to we bring them on the show and I, i'm always i'm always worried i'm like please be cool please be like yeah for instance, please we be got cool. have, yeah exactly because you're thinking oh my god because we got to have like one of my favorite people from the strain you know what i'm saying and he mm-hmm. came on it's like oh my god i hope he's cool i hope he's cool i hope he's cool he was you know richard Samel, and he was freaking fantastic he was like uh, we hit it off. We ended up, ah, oh, man, we're, let's work together. You know, we're, we know it's like crazy because we, we liked the conversation so much with each other. We were like, you know what? We got And that's the, the same thing happened with Catriona McCall. I've yeah. loved Catriona McCall for years. You know, Fulci movies are such a major part of my life. And I'm like, God, I hope she's cool. God, I hope she's good. Not only was yeah. she cool, now uh, we're seriously looking at working together. We're like, oh, I'm nice. like, I, no, that's good. Oh, that, that could really happen now. So, and Giovanni Lombardo Redice was the same way. So I'm like, look, if I could reunite those two in a movie, how oh, cool that'd would be that great. be? Yeah. And, and nice. you know, the same, you know, we're working, we're talking, you know, with Patty from uh, Frankenhooker. And, <laughs> really? and, yes. And, and her and James back together and do like a thing. So I was like, that, this is, all this happens because of the show, because I get them on there and I'm like, ah, I hope they're cool. Oh my God, were they cool? They were great. They were, and then we have weird things like Benny Mardones comes on, who yeah. had the weird, that one song that like every into the night. You know, you're like, yeah. what is? It was the weirdest song ever because you don't even know it. It scared people, frankly. The lyrics, no one understood what he was talking about. People thought he was trying to hit hit on a 15 year old. What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> That's the 80s for you, you know. <laughs> yeah, it was. But, you know, it turned out it was nothing like that. He told the whole story on the show. He was the coolest guy ever, and that's what it is. You know, you get. Uh, a matter of fact, I'm watching YouTube one night, and I stumble upon this guy who I just think is so funny, Vic DiBattetto. And I'm like, holy hell, this, this guy. He's he's done movies. He's done some TV, but I, you know, I never got to see his stuff. He does this whole thing, ticked off Vic, on YouTube. If you've never seen it, you need to see it. We brought him on this show. Oh my God, what a great time that was because he is a comedian, and so you get all these different. I mean. Bring on whoever the hell you want. That's what Nightwatch is about. You know, we do whatever we want, and we learn so much about all these people, and it's really cool. Yeah, I still have to say one of my other um, all-time favorite episodes uh, from from previous archives has to be, like, uh, when you had Ken Forey on, and he was talking about Forey Fest and uh, everything that went into that. I yep, o- yep. honestly love Ken to death. Like, probably since, like, I think it was uh, the dentist two, like one. Oh or yeah, two. and then like and then Texas Chainsaw Massacre three, and then everything that goes after that. Oh, uh, Dawn of the Dead. For the original oh, yeah, Dawn no. of the Dead. Yep. Of course, I. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of on the fence about the original, but. <laughs> oh whatever. That I, I ran blood was awesome. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I didn't care. Hell, man, I love all it's this. Tom Zabini, man, you gotta love it. 
And that's the thing. I really, all that stuff, man, all that stuff. You know what? Ken Faree is the coolest guy in the world. Uh, he really was. And you know, I got to be friends with Candyman because of this show. And, uh, you know, we're probably going to end up working together, too. Because oh, really? You, you can't go wrong with Tony, Tony Todd. Todd. Oh, my God. That man scared the shit out of me as a child. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't. You say Candyman around me, I'm going to punch you. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, T Tony's probably one of the few guys I got to meet that I was really starstruck at first until me, him, and a friend were actually sharing beers. And that was the only time I really got to loosen up. It's just kind of... Because at first, it was like, oh, my God, I'm meeting Benny from fucking, you know, Night of the Living Dead. I'm meeting Candyman. I'm meeting all these, like, awesome characters he's played. But I'm just meeting the man himself, and it's just so intimidating. Um but yeah, no, Ken has to be one of my favorite people. Or not Ken, but uh, Tony has to be one of my favorite people I've ever met. Oh, I agree. Yeah. What a guy. You know, what a guy. And I, I feel that way about a lot of people. You know, I, I, I thank God, you know, they, they turned out to be everything I wanted them to be again. If not, I'd have been like so sad, you know. I'd have been like, yeah, this sucks. But instead I was happy because they were, they were great guys. All right. So, um, one thing I wanted to ask also, uh, you got any like events or any, uh, special appearances that you're going to be making here in the coming months? Yeah. You know, uh, gosh, there's so much going on really. I, I urge people because things are happening right now. I urge people to go to Facebook and join the Todd sheets group. And I want to give a shout out to a couple of people about that. You know, when I was in the hospital and I thought I was going to die and I, I was in there for 31 days with the heart attack and I did the open heart surgery. You know, you guys, I think I told you the whole story. You guys yeah. know. Yeah. I, I, when I was in there, uh, Thomas Bradinsky, Brandon Bennett, Matt Hill, Stephen Ferrandino, these guys, they created a fan club for me. I didn't even know about it. I found out about it. You talk about feeling good. That really made me feel good. These guys completely, you know, I couldn't believe they did it. I just, they blew me away, you know, and these guys are fantastic and they, they really work hard, and the fan club thing took off, and the page is doing well, and, you know, I go in there and I post things a lot. So you can either find me on Facebook or you can go in that Facebook group, and uh, if you want to know about the films, each one of them has a Facebook page, like Dream Purple Neon has one, uh, you know, Bone Hill Road has one. We also have a website, I need to update it badly, and that's zombiebloodbath.com. I'm going to update the hell out of that, but I have to do it soon because it's so far behind. But all of this is like, the, the best way to find out because I know I'm doing Iowa on uh, October 13th. They're doing this all night like Grindhouse Festival deal, and I know Dream Purple Neon's going to be there. I know we're doing a, uh, a premiere screening of uh, Bone Hill Road on October 20th uh, here in Kansas City at the Screenland Armor, one of my favorite theaters in the whole country. And uh, you know, there's there's other events going on. I know there's talk of things with Alamo Draft House, and there's a lot of other things going on, some more film festivals. And I, I know we're going to be part of it. So we're trying to figure out a way to get me to Cinema Wasteland so we can go up there and hang out. Just things like that. But I, I, until things are solid, um, I don't put them out there. But if people want to know, then please join that page with us, um, the Todd Sheets page. There, uh, It's a Todd Sheets group page on Facebook. And I can keep everyone updated. And also through the actual films. If you're interested in Dream Purple Neon or House of Secrets or any of that, boom, it's right there. It's going to be there, you know. Yeah, I mean, definitely. And 
I know I need to get this guy to actually watch House of or Forbidden Secrets. I actually have it, so I just kind of got to make him sit down and watch it. I was going to do it earlier this week, but... I was busy, man. I had to play GTA. <laughs> God That's damn fun. GTA. Hey, it's not my fault. That stuff will take your soul away, man. I, I know. Hey, I haven't I'm... had one forever, dude. <laughs> Don't worry. It's, it's terrifying, because I'm the same way, man. I just I love that. <clears throat> but it, it will take your soul away. <laughs> oh, I sold it a long time ago. I actually sold mine for an Italian Because when I broke sandwich. my ankle, I got really good at that fucking game. <laughs> <laughs> what else was I going to do? I believe it. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, Percocets and play GTA. <laughs> there you go. All right. So uh, now we're kind of coming up to the point of our show where we're actually uh, going to wrap up. So it's such an honor to have you once again. And I want to thank you. I want to thank everybody out there who is who is recognizing independent horror, who who gives a damn about what we do. Because without you guys, there'd be no reason to do it. And I, you know, you hear a lot of people blow smoke. I'm not blowing smoke. It's the truth. You guys keep us going, really. Because uh, what would we do? There's like the audience is so difficult nowadays. Getting getting the movies out there. There's there's like 970,000 cell phone Scorsese's that are flooding the market and it's really difficult for people to get their films out there. So I really appreciate the support. I really appreciate what everyone's doing. And, and you know what? I, I just want to give a shout out to all the other people out there that are doing this, that love horror and love uh, independent films so much that they're putting their lives on the line and they're sacrificing so much to do it. I know for me personally, I've sacrificed for 28 years to do this because I love it. And, uh, and there's other people out there doing the same thing. And for you guys, Keep on doing it. Keep on fighting the fight. Do not give up on your dreams. There's going to be five zillion people trying to stop you. There's going to be every obstacle in the world, and I want you to stay strong and to fight and to make it through it because, man, that's what it's all about. You know what? And you guys doing this show is the same way. You know, keep on keeping on. Keep on trucking. Keep on fighting because, really, we need you, and I think we all need each other. And, and working together, this is what it's about, and the unity of creating something new and fresh and you guys helping us get the word out that's what it's about and really i appreciate it oh man <laughs> yeah no doubt ah fucking man <laughs> um but uh definitely keep your ears and eyes open for uh bone hill road that's it bone hill road you can't miss it look around it's all over the place it's out there you'll find it and definitely check out dreaming purple neon I am still kind of bummed out I missed that over the weekend, man. That's killing me. Ugh. You got to see it. I think you'll enjoy it. Right on. Thank you. You guys have a good night. All right. You too, man. Thanks. <laughs>